we just came off of a series uh, talking about uh, being empowered to change and how most believers, uh, it is my contention, most believers live kind of a stuck life. And, and God works in that, and he often takes us from stuck to stuck to stuck, even if it takes crisis to crisis to crisis to do that. But as we, as we talked about, God's preference is not to always use crisis to get us to go up a notch, but that daily we would walk with him, and, and daily we would have uh, the ability for God to make those small crises of the day so that we don't have those giant crises to drive us later. Moving from that idea that God wants to be in our daily life, he wants to walk out daily life with us, it really struck me um, how different that daily life will be. Uh, The Witness Protection Program, the United States government established the Witness Protection Program I believe it was in 1969, and the purpose of it was um, to help those or to take care of those who decide to turn state's evidence and become a witness against a criminal organization or individuals of some magnitude. And, uh, and so these witnesses would be brought into the system, and they would be protected. Now, who are these witnesses? Most of the time, these witnesses were a part of that criminal system. They were one of the problems. Uh, And they might still be actually currently in that system, but they are someone who for whatever reason has decided they want out. They want a different life. They want something different. They want a new life. And in that, uh, they can approach authorities um, and... With these individuals, um, for the most time, it's not possible without some protection. Because when you obviously turn on a a criminal organization, they have a lot of motivation um, to kill you. And so this organization was designed to uh, protect these individuals. And how they did it was this. Um... They have to do this for it to be successful. The past crimes of that person have to be dealt with. Uh, I was reading some of these, and one of them, uh, uh, Barbozo, part of a criminal uh, Italian gang family, uh, was an assassin, 23 murders. They have to deal with that. Uh, They have to deal with past crimes. Uh, These individuals uh, have to come in and begin to testify And that has to align with truth now. And the individuals have to receive a new identity, a new name, a new place to live, new credentials, a new history. Everything has to become new and different for them. And then these individuals uh, are relocated to this different place where they can now be a different person and get a real job and live a real life. Here's the rules of success. Leave your old life of crime. The next one, leave your old acquaintances, your friends. Embrace new ways of making a living. 
new allegiances, new friendships. Embrace your new identity, who you are. In other words, nothing familiar. The federal marshal's office has never lost a witness who followed the rules. Never lost a single witness who followed the rules. Most of them don't. It is more difficult to leave the life you hate or you really think has problems. It is much more difficult than we would like to believe. Uh, when you read some of the stories, uh, actually two of these from the Witness Protection Program wrote famous books. Have you heard of the series Wise Guys? That's from a book that was written by a guy in the Witness Protection Program that was writing stories of his life. And when fame and fortune came, he couldn't help but to get into the limelight. Another one uh, became a chef and wrote a book called The Mafia Cookbook. It became a bestseller. And he got invited to the David Letterman show. And he was going. And they said, you can't go to the David Letterman show. He said, David Letterman is my idol. They're going to see your face and hear your new name. Now, he didn't go on the David Letterman show. It was canceled. But he did become more reckless, and his life ended. A real tragic one, there was a girl named Brenda Paz. She joined MS-13, uh, like 11, 12 years old, and worked her way up. It's unusual for a female to work up high into MS-13. It's a very male-dominated gang. And she got tired of the murder and the rape. These were her only family. She was a runaway, a Honduran refugee. And she turned state's evidence. And they cl closed 60 cases with her knowledge. And she entered the witness protection program, and she wanted a new life. But she left the only friends she had, the only family she had. And pretty soon, she started inviting these old friends to hang out with her. And it did not end well for Brenda Paz. At 17, they found her body. And she was murdered by her friend and her boyfriend, by whom she was four months pregnant. What I want to let you know there is a new life is harder than we want to think. Even though we might think that new life is what we want, it's what we need, it's the right thing for us, 
The old life is really strong. That's why God has a witness protection program. Now, they're a little bit different, but you're going to see not completely because we think of the witness protection program as being uh, hiding someone from other people. Let's look at Psalm 143, 8 through 10. Let the morning bring me words of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. We do get hidden. In the New Testament, Jesus speaks about how he longed to hide us under his wing. There is a hiddenness in the broad open in a life with Christ. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. The dominance of this is about following Jesus and learning from him, learning something new. The witness protection program is not about hiding someone. It's about becoming somebody new, somebody different. The power of the program is to not be who you were. And that's the power of God's program. The hiding becomes different. It's not that our testimony is hidden. It's not that that the world can't know our identity. It's that we are hidden in the power of God. We see that even in the Psalms where it says uh, that God is going to prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. You see that hiding is about the protection that we get from the new life. The power of God of the protection is the new life. But I think many of us as Christians, that old life carries a lot of power. And we struggle to break free. And we begin to find, try to find places where I'm different but the same. And that's what Brenda did. That's what she did. She tried to be in the middle. But the middle is not hidden in Christ. So I want you to see if this looks familiar. What has to happen for the program of God's witness protection to be successful? Well, first, he wants to deal with our past crimes. He wants to set us free from guilt and from shame. He wants to set us free from the things that are weighing on our lives. And the second is our testimony becomes different. It becomes aligned with the truth of God. It becomes aligned with real power and real purpose, not what we had in our old life. And we receive a new identity. 
we are relocated and we get a fresh start in life. See how they're pretty similar? Now, we may not be geographically relocated, but we are hidden in his presence. Now, what we may wish was different is the rules for success are going to look familiar also. We have to leave our old life of crime. We have to leave many of our old acquaintances, our old ways of thinking. We have to embrace a new way of living, new allegiances, new friendships. Embrace your new identity. In fact, it could look like nothing familiar. I know there can be pushback here because, gosh, aren't we supposed to witness to our old friends? We are. We are indeed. When I became a Christian, I was 17. Uh, it was a radical shift for me from my lifestyle, who I was, to becoming a believer. It was not a good fit with my friends. It was not a good fit. It, it, it didn't take a genius to know that. It didn't take any genius on my part to know that. It didn't take any genius on the parts of my friends to know that. I was going in a different direction than them now. I didn't have to judge them. I don't really have to cut them off. I don't have to be ugly to them. But I do have to embrace my new life. And I will need new friends who are going the same way I am. And here's the dilemma with that. All of that is powerfully unfamiliar. And for a Honduran refugee runaway as an adolescent to all of a sudden reach into this new life and be able to build this construct of friends who could support her and be a part of her life transforming. It was unfamiliar. And she was lonely. And there were good people in her old gang. People like her. People who got in young and they were just there and that was all the support they had. And she went home. You know, when I first became a believer, I didn't even know there was a Christian radio station. Never heard of such a thing. I'm like, really? And like they play like church music all the time? No kidding. I was so green about it all. And I've shared this story before, but my friends want to know, what, what's gotten into you? What's going on with you? I said, well, I, I want to tell you, but we got to talk face-to-face -face kind of thing. And they said, okay, and they picked me up, and we drove over to this place, up in Houston called the My Oh My Club. I don't want to discuss this club. But anyway, we pulled up in front. 
I knew, although that was familiar, that wasn't part of my new life. I knew that. And I'm looking at it, I'm going, I don't need to go in there. So they're getting out, and I said, I don't want to go. And this is a place that we would frequent. Why not? Because I don't want to go. And this friend said, where do you want to go? I was trying to think. I panicked a little bit. I said, Denny's. <laughs> I remember he looked at me like this. He goes, Denny's. You want to go to Denny's? Yeah, I want to go to Denny's. So we went to Denny's, and I began to share what had happened to me. I had a new life. They didn't understand it. It wasn't about them. It was about me. We never really hung out after that night. My mind was made up. My new life was unfamiliar to me. I was saved in a Chinese church. Very unfamiliar to me. I mean, when I took my friends to church and they walk in and we have Mandarin, Cantonese, and then English. Very unfamiliar. But that was my new life. God had me starting in a Chinese-American church. John C. Ping, Ong Gong Hall, I still got some of it. But there, I began slowly to move from Twisted Sister and other bands to music that did something different for me. I don't care whether you like it. A lot of things that are not familiar, you don't like. It's not about whether you like your new life. It's about it is your new life. You see, you have to give up that familiarity. You have to be willing to sacrifice that to build a new one. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, and this is out of the message. Now we look inside. What we see is that anyone united with the Messiah, with Jesus, gets a fresh start is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him. He dealt with the crimes and he offers you a new life. And sure, it's going to be unfamiliar to you. And that can make it lonely. But that's the reason we press into it. 
Because if we don't, we will find our way back to our old life. What I want to share with you in this series is about the core influences of your new life and how they are challenged and how they challenge the old life. These core influences that we're going to share about is going to be your mind. Your mind is going to have to go to some unfamiliar places. You know, you might think um, with a sharp tongue. You might be cynical in your mind. Even if you don't say it, many of us just go ahead and fire the bullet. But our mind is our best friend or our enemy in our new life. Your mind is going to need to become new. And it will begin very unfamiliar. I remember the story of John Wimber, one of the founders of the vineyard, his first trip to church, um, I believe it was a Quaker church. John Wimber had never been in a church in his life. And he walks in, and he talks about the, uh, uh, he had a name, something like bouncers, the guys with the flowers. You know, they were greeters and things. And he said they tried to take my children away, and they were taking them to this other place, but they promised they would bring them back. He wanted to know where the smoking section was. And this really terrible music droned on for like 45 minutes. He was a musician. He didn't understand why anybody would use that gig to try to draw a crowd. And then somebody babbled on forever from the Bible that he did not understand. And his words over and over again, this was weird. Ultimately, he brought over a 1,000 people to Christ in that church. From the entertainment industry. He stuck it out with weird people. Have little flowers. Take your kids. But bring them back. Your new life will be different than your old life. In your mind, in your activities, it will be different. Your activities will have to become different. If you're going to be successful in the witness protection program, you're going to have to let your activities be altered. Your job and your school, they'll be done different. I had a friend who was uh, getting a degree in philosophy at Rice University, a Ph.D., decided that probably wasn't all that useful for her new life. How you invest your time, your energy, your thought power, your money will be challenged with your new life. It will be different. And your circle 
your circle of friends, your acquaintances, your family members. That's really where I want to focus us today is on our circle. Our place where we find relationship is a powerful thing. And I find it's one of the greatest places that hold people back from really being able to enter a new life is their friends aren't in that new life. So I want us to look at, I just kind of divide up the circle between coworkers, friends, and family. That's your world. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is going to help you navigate that, and some of those will be replaced. I worked at a machine shop when I became a believer, and there was a wild party guy at the machine shop. He was on third shift. I was on second, and uh, he was a crazy guy. I mean, he made me look like Mother Teresa, you know, crazy guy. And then I started hearing people talk about Preacher Joe. I thought, who's Preacher Joe? And then they told me it was this guy, and I was like, no, not him. He's like insane, you know, in fights, in jail, partying constantly. So I waited after work one night, just kind of stuck over on third shift, and he was over his machine reading his Bible, just, I mean, talking like a church dude. I was like, wow, that's, that's unfamiliar to me. I'm just like, really? Denny's. You know, it was one of those deals. I'm just like freaking out a little bit. Uh, he's just praise God, and he's just kind of creeping me out a little bit, you know? And like six months later, I have this encounter with Jesus. One of the first things I want to do is go connect with Preacher Joe. And I mean, everybody was just riding this guy and giving him a hard time. He had all these scriptures all over his toolbox and all this stuff. And, you know, they would do stuff to his coffee, put oil in it and stuff. He's just praying for all these people who are tormenting him. So he went from like a freaky, creepy guy to a little bit of a hero for me. I admired what he was becoming. And we became good friends. He has an amazing story, and he's part of my story. The scripture tells us, 1 Corinthians 15, 13, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. If you keep company that is not a part of your new life, then you will be struggling to really be in your new life. That's what the scripture is telling you. Your friends, your acquaintances will be important. It's a decision. It's one you have to make. Where are you getting your counsel? We often get our counsel from our friends. 
our coworkers, the person that sits next to us. Proverbs 11:14, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We need counsel. The question is, where will you get it? Proverbs 13:20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. We need to consider the character of those we are in relationship with. Romans 16, verse 7. Now I urge you, brethren, note, those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. Look at the character of those we walk with. It will matter. If if your new life is going to get that traction, and who you're walking with will matter. What is their character like? It doesn't mean we can't go out to lunch with someone. It doesn't mean that, you know, these people are poison to us. It's really not true. What it means is, who is my circle? Who am I getting and giving life with? That's the question. Those are the people, the friends. You know, I, I, I go out to lunch with all kinds of people. I'll, I'll go out to lunch with pretty much anybody. I know, I go out to lunch with a lot of you guys. If people cause division and they cause offenses, if people walk their life like that, Does that mirror the new life? Romans 16, 17. I guess I repeated that. Test the thinking and the input around you. Proverbs 14, 6. A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it. But knowledge is easy to him who understands. Go from the presence of a foolish man. When you do not perceive him, in him, the lips of knowledge. What are people speaking into you? What are people saying? The difference is, if I'm with people all day long who talk trash, who live in a difficult place, who live a compromised way, who are, who are not speaking anything that's true and of life to me, if I'm in that environment all day long, let's say at work, I need to know that I cannot afford to let that be 
my circle of friends. That can't be where I am getting my relationship. It doesn't matter how entertaining they are, how interesting they are, how, how life of the party they are. It means that I need some other people who are putting something different in me. And the statement here is, listen and be able to say, wow, that's not life for me. Philippians 3, 2 gives us just a short term here. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. This isn't about judging people. It's about people who live in that lifestyle are not giving you life. And you're going to need friends and relations that give you life. That's the bottom line. And we have to get good at giving that back. So John Wimber found a lot of geeky, freaky people at the church. They were very foreign to him. They were unfamiliar. But over time, it became familiar. And he was invited by a friend. And after that service, his friend said, well, you want to come back tonight for Sunday? And he goes, oh, really? Yikes. Again? Like this? And he had to ask him, what are you doing here? This is a weird place. What are you doing here? What are you doing with these people? And he told John, I love these people. Or my family. And they became John's family over time. He just had to get familiar with them. If you hang out with us, you'll get familiar with us. We won't be quite as weird. Maybe. I won't promise on that one, but. In relationships, we partner in life. Your partnerships have to change. Second Corinthians 16:14 through the first part of 17. And this is out of the message. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony? Can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? This is often a verse used to say, don't marry an unbeliever. And it's a good verse for that. But it's not just about marriage. It's about who walks in your life with you. A passage goes on. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them, 
I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Again, this is not about living on a mountain as far away from an unbeliever as you can. We're called to live in the world. But the scripture in the very same passage says, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Our friendships that feed us have to be friendships that are in the world, but not of the world. They have to be the people that are giving me life. When I am angry, when I am upset, and I call a friend to complain, to rant, it would be most excellent if that friend had godly things to say to me like, you know, have you really considered that this person might be struggling in their life, Bill? And in that moment, I might think, I don't care if they're struggling. But you see, my, my new life friend says, well, but you see, if we will take a moment to appreciate that, we will take a moment to allow that person to become a real person that struggles in real life. If you will allow God to show you the way he looks at that person, maybe your rant would be different. You see, that's somebody that's feeding me life. Another friend might say, yeah, that happened to me too, man. Here's what I did. I told them this. I let them have this. Now they're affirming your offense. They're encouraging your offense. And they're actually giving you suggestions on how to carry out retribution for the offense. And it sounds great. But you see... That would be stepping out of the witness protection program. And that's stepping out of your new life. And that's stepping into the place where the enemy is. Because the protection is really from the enemy that we have in this world. A very real and a very present danger Who is co-runners with you in your race? Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So the question is, what about your circle? Does your circle fill you with hope, with courage? Does your circle fill you with kindness, encourage kindness? Does it remind you of who you are? Does it remind you of your new life? Or does it justify remaining connected to the old life?
how does your circle run with you? A big part of your witness protection program, of you being successful in a new life, will be who, who you have around you. Do they encourage you in that new life? Do they empower that new life? Do they challenge you into your new life? Or do they let you be comfortably familiar in your old life? You know, it's why couples who, uh, who try to step back from premarital sex or promiscuity Many of them struggle with that because they are very familiar with their partner. Very, very familiar. Not about love. It's not about any of those things. I'm not taking away or adding things like that. I'm saying that familiarity is a thing that gets us most often. It's what we're familiar with. It's an addiction we're familiar with. It's people that know me. You know, I can, I can put one line on Facebook, and they'll know the right line to shoot back to me. That's familiar. It's places that are familiar. It's those haunts. Whether I like them or not, they're familiar. Nothing familiar. Your new life is new. It's different. It'll be unfamiliar. And for that reason, it will not be familiar. It will not feel comfortable. To put it on, it won't feel right. And it's like those new pair of shoes that you get that you paid too much money for, and they hurt your feet. And when you get home at the end of the day, although you might have looked good all day, you can't wait to get out of them and to put on those shoes that are familiar. That's life. The Witness Protection Program of God offers you a very new and an incredible life that's filled with purpose and hope and meaning. But he is going to call you to be with and involved with people, whether they look weird, act weird, whether they're tall, short, whether they say brother so-and-so, which I don't. You need friends and family who will speak new life to you, challenge you in it, call you in it, If you would stand, please. You're going to find that sometimes these people will be the very front line of your fight. You can call the right person in that moment. And in a telephone call, they can rescue you from temptation. I used to travel 27, 28 days a month. When you travel by yourself, you can be anybody you want to be. Anybody. I can do anything I want to do. 
and those thoughts cross your mind and you're lonely and everything around you is unfamiliar. And that's when I would call someone. And I would stay on the phone as long as I had to to get off of that ledge. And if it wasn't long enough, that person had to go, I would call somebody else. Because I do not want to lose my witness protection program in Knoxville, Tennessee, because I was lonely. That's back before cell phones, and my boss challenged me on my phone bill. I told my boss it was really high. I said, that's the number. You want me on the field 28 days a month? That's the cost for you right there. It's not negotiable. Those are the people who are on the front line of my life. You need those people right now. You need people you call that won't fold and just feed your injustice, your addiction, what you deserve, but they will challenge you to the highest order of your new life because you deserve that from them. Some of you need new relationships. Some of you need to start using the ones that are around you. And you need to step into the witness protection program. It will make your new life a reality. Start with your circle today. Start there. It does mean laying down some old circle, maybe all of it. For me, it was all of it. I had to start over, nothing, zero, in a Chinese church. There were some great Chinese people there and some pretty good white people. I owe them my life. I'd like some ministry team members to come forward. Two things I would like to minister to today. One is, there's some of you, this is your weak spot. And I'm inviting you, allow somebody to pray into your life what you need this morning. Allow someone up here, just for today, if not, come up and let them be your circle today. You need a powerful circle that will speak truth to you and love. Lots and lots of love. For others, you need to redo your circle. Today, God is telling you that. He's not, it's not a suggestion. He's telling you, 
your circle will not finish. Now, if you feel like God is calling you to redo your circle, I I want you to invite you to just come stand up here. That's all you're going to do. And if you want somebody to help start a good circle today, then I want you to come speak to one of these people, and they're just going to pray for you. I invite you to come now, whoever that is.